Hi, I'm Thomas Fripp. I'm creative director at Friction Games, and you're listening to the Party Chat Podcast. Xbox on. Game on, baby. Wow! do this hello and welcome to the xbox one party chat podcast it's the official podcast of the xbox one subreddit i'm this week's host delicious cheese and i'm joined by the one and only karina how you doing i'm good how are you reese i am fantastic and unfortunately well i don't know about unfortunately because that implies that it's somehow bad but we are not joined by anyone else it's just the two of us ross is stuck at work and who knows where clay is <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just us at least at least to begin with uh so how have you been karina i i skipped a week because i was i, I had surgery to have my teeth pulled out and that's not really you know conductive to to podcasting so how you been uh, i've been great yeah I'd, I'd rather not have teeth being took out i think that's probably one of the yeah one of the things i definitely don't want ever hopefully one of those things you have nightmares about but yeah that is that and needles like yeah oh. uh so did you know that uh, a little gaming fact i'm gonna throw this in for anyone listening uh the classic silent hill um, it had a really, really intense and awful, like not amazing, but you know, awful when you're playing the game soundtrack just absolutely freaked you out. And one of the <coughs> quote unquote instruments was a highly distorted dentist's drill. Really? Yeah. So they used the, the, the dentist drill uh, as part of the music to, to really make you unsettled as well as other things. That's actually pretty cool. No, yeah, well, I have obviously no idea not with the drill, but I, I mean, <laughs> the fact I, that they've done it. I probably heard that on one of those Did You Know Gaming YouTube videos. That, that that would probably be where it came from. I have no idea where or why I know that, but I know that. Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's move away from my tangent, and uh, I guess we should talk about what we've been playing. What what have you been playing? Before we start, though, this is PUBG launch week, although we are recording before PUBG. In fact, this is PUBG Eve. PUBG? Yeah, PUBG, PUBG. It's PUBG. <laughs> it's it's basically going to be a subreddit national holiday tomorrow. I'm not looking forward to that. We'll probably talk about PUBG next week, I guess. So, and we've all uh, had our fill of it. But what have you been playing in the meantime? Oh, uh, what are you Oh, yeah. So the new expansion was released for Destiny Two. I think uh, me and Ross oh, spoke yeah. around about it a lot. Yeah, uh, last week. But yeah, no, I've been I've been uh, doing a lot of that. Just doing some raids, uh, getting my level cap up. Uh, it's it's okay. Uh, it's nice, but I mean, I don't feel like it's a full expansion. But who knows? Yeah. I do know by the time this gets released, uh, they would have done a big update. At the moment, everyone's playing laser tag with the uh, new Prometheus <laughs> lens. <laughs> that is so funny. Even even like I, I don't play the game, uh, but but even I knew about that. Um, Exactly. Basically, for those who's listening, they they released this weapon. This it's like a laser. Pew. Pew, pew. It, it literally goes pew pew, and it's incredibly overpowered, like ridiculous. Like I watched a video of one guy effortlessly going like twenty six zero in in PvP, <laughs> and Bungie took a look at it and was like, "Yeah, this is broken." And instead of fixing it, they made it available for sale 
from I love Zur, that they did that. The merchant. I love it. And they were just like, you know, like if, if it's screw broken, it. why fix it? Just give it everyone. Yeah. Burn burn the whole thing down. Like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. Oh uh, let's uh this is gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I'm I'm going to I'm gonna add someone to the call. We're doing it live. Ooh. Are you ready? New phone, who dis? Oh, <laughs> what's going on, everybody? Are you guys still recording? Really recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, still recording. Recording? we're doing it live. Yeah. Am I really late? I'm not late. I'm actually like uh, wait, 10 the, minutes the early. The question is, yeah. though, are you, are you late or are we just early? I did get an update from Ross as to why he's not on. Um, anybody oh, that oh. follows him on social media will know that over the weekend, oh, no. he, was, he was testing out Taco Bell in Europe for the first and time. apparently it's just like did not sit well and I'm I'm thinking he's just on the toilet you know <laughs> he's, got, he's got the Taco Bell runs that's the right, Taco Bell that's right. Runs. <laughs> he's got to run for the border so oh dear <laughs> to, to, to Britain <laughs> yeah I don't know <laughs> we're all going to be running Wait, for the border here stateside pretty soon Clayton welcome to the podcast welcome back what have you been playing this week? Oh, what have I been playing? Do you want to take a guess what I've been playing? Does it start with er and end with rainbow <laughs> six C? <laughs> I have gone from all right. I'm not going to play this. I'm going to finish playing Quantum Break. I'm going to finish playing Gears of War. I'm going to play a whole bunch of single player campaigns. I just got Witcher three. I'm going to start playing that too. I'm playing nothing but exclusively <laughs> Rainbow Six Siege. Like just wow. absolutely nothing but Rainbow Six Siege. We, we were just mentioning this is this this podcast is going out obviously later in the week, but it's it's PUBG. It's the eve I of know. PUBG. I right? know. So, do you think that's going to be the game that pulls you away from the R six? <sighs> I think it might be, and what's um, what I'm actually very excited about is there's a group of guys that I used to game with like every night, and during the battlefield days, my my heavy 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 duty battle battlefield days of three and four, uh, not so much battlefield one, <laughs> I just couldn't get into it. But uh, yeah, they're all picking it up, and we are all up pretty late uh, stateside. So we'll be, I'm assuming, playing that with these guys. What I don't know is, I, I you know what? I haven't watched a ton of streams on the game yet, and um, I mean, I, on the PC side, sure. I'm just wondering, like, how are all the control? Like, how do the controls transfer? Oh, you haven't seen. Over? I saw uh, major. Okay. I know. I, I saw Larry posted some screenshots, but I, I yeah, still yeah, wasn't yeah. A, like it. Just like the inventory management system, just seems like it'd be so much easier on a mouse and keyboard. Yeah, it, it is basically. Yeah. Um, someone uh, I know that Larry made a post, and someone else made another post as well. Basically, just going over the controls, and it's quite. It's different to to other, like they didn't just try and ram the standard. FPS controller control scheme into the game. They actually thought about it for a bit. Like, for example, the game's, uh, you know, third person. So when you hold the left trigger, you, you tighten up your aim and you sort of aim a little bit down the scope. Kind of like, you know, when you hold the left trigger in Gears of War, right? Right. But if you, if you tap the trigger, then you stand still and you actually like aim down the sights in first person or you lift the rifle scope to your eye and you look down the rifle scope in first person. And then your controls completely change when you're in like this aiming mode. And then you can do things like control your breath. Um, you know, you, you can 
you can change the zoom and you can change the right. fire rate and stuff like that. So it's, they've thought about this because, you know, it, it's based on Arma and Arma is an, a hardcore military simulation. It's not an arcade game. Shooter. So, right. so it's, it's quite complicated, but I think, I think inventory management is always going to be a bit clunky. The only thing that's good is that everyone is on the same level of clunk. But as soon as we start cross-playing with PC, ooh. Are they really going to do that, though? I think Cross-play so. with PC? Uh, it just seems like you'd get slaughtered. Absolutely oh, yeah. slaughtered. <laughs> just you, know what's, you know what's funny is I was thinking about it today was, I was like, is this the elite dangerous of console first-person shooters? Where it it's going to be like a, a huge learning curve initially, but once you get into it, it's going to be really good for you once you've mastered well, everything. I believe... Um, one of the other moderators actually asked just last night, you know, who's who's played this game on PC? Like, I need some tips. How do I play this game? And I said, I haven't played it yet, but my my assumption is going to be shoot the other guys first. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then he, he a few minutes later, he, he started laughing in the chat saying that he just found this this guide from like GameSpot or something, uh, like some proper big, uh, not IGN, but one of the other bigger, I think it was GameSpot. Anyway, and he's like, this is legit the first thing that he had said that says on their thing, shoot the other guys first. Well, you're the Pro teammates. <laughs> no, like the other people. Well, see, if you play free-for-all, you have no teammates. Ah, good point. It's just but you couldn't you still, if, if, if you had free for even if it was free-for-all, I mean, you can still go in with a, a group of your buds, right, and try and find yeah, you them? Yeah, you can, even in a free-for-all game, you can pair up. Or you can go in a group of three or four as well. But uh, when there's two of you or four of you left, that counts as a win. Hmm. I, I actually kind of disappointed. I was kind of hoping that, like, just say there's four of you and then you kill the, the last guy. And then, like, you get a countdown. Like, and then you have to kill each other. Like, you have to yeah. turn on your that, friends. That, that, that I badass. think would be great. I think that would be great. Did they, did they mention so if cool. the new map's coming out on uh, the console side as well? Or is yeah, it just is. On next, the PC? Early next year. It's still oh, in early the, next year. Yeah, it's okay. still on the only on the testing servers on the PC. Yeah, but okay. that that reminds me. Did you guys ever play? Um, I can't remember. It was one of the Splinter Cell games on the 360, but it had a co-op campaign that you could play in split screen. Yes, or multiplayer. Uh, I I, and, I think that was the one that you could play multiplayer online, right? Yeah, I think so. And uh, this it's spoilers for an old game, but I can't even remember which <laughs> one it was. But um, <laughs> It had such a good Something. twist at the end because you play through the whole game together and, you know, it's really co-op focus and you do all these co-op moves and you become good buddies and the guys, it has its own story too. It's not just like rammed in, the guys, you know, become friends and stuff and they go through the whole story. And then after you actually beat the game and you defeat the last boss or whatever it was, uh, there's one last chapter and you get a phone call. Uh, well, one of you gets a phone call from his boss telling you to kill the other guy and that's the end of the game the two of you suddenly have this this death yeah, match no. and you know you've gone together through the whole game as friends and then all of a sudden it's like kill where are dude. you come out say <laughs> <laughs> like, no why don't you come over here and like, it's it so cool you have to kill each other it doesn't matter which one wins that's just you get one of two endings uh, those were it, some it, of the best games, man. It's cool. Those multiplayer. It's a cool idea. Those, 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 uh, it was like the spy versus mercenary setup that they had in those games were mm -hmm. so, so intense. And I can remember being so stressed out 
playing those multiplayer games. And if you were the spy, you could like completely disappear into the darkness of of a room. It's like just going like ninja dudes from this roof and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Knock people out. Yeah. Wasn't it like you can you can only knock them out you couldn't kill them so that they could i don't know they could like wake back up or i can't if if you only knocked them out yeah and the people who were playing in 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 the people who were the the spies they were in third person like normal and the guys who were the mercenaries were in first person like a normal first person shooter so they had a smaller a smaller view and I, I can remember like running along with my friend and then like just suddenly like turning around and he wasn't there anymore. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> uh, memories. But uh, memories. anyway. So are you guys, on are you guys pretty tangent. excited, though? You guys are all getting yeah. you, You're both getting it, right? I mean, uh, I, I want to. Maybe. Well, I mean, money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the issue right now. It's before Christmas. Yeah, I'm the well, same. I might get it at the end of the month, hopefully. We'll, we'll try. We have to do the, the multi-streaming of it, obviously, before everyone gets bored. That's true. <laughs> and move on from it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Xbox gamers. Ooh, do you know, what I, uh, you know what I just ordered as well what? that I probably don't necessarily need because I have a Kinect still, but it's just so clunky to use? Is uh, I just ordered a uh, – oh, there was a big Logitech – webcam sale on amazon this week and everything Ooh. all their i think all their cams were half off so i got the uh, it's like one that's really popular with streamers for oh, i've got one 40 bucks maybe it's normally like a oh, hundred dollars nice. i think i use so. my laptop <laughs> yeah my i can't for whatever reason if i try and stream anything from my mac it hates it absolutely hates it and i i have a feeling it's my my FaceTime camera. It's my mentally, I'm thinking it's the FaceTime camera. So I'm going to test this out with this camera. But I figure if anything, I can just, I'll, I'll now have two camera setups because I've got two Xboxes now, one for the living room and one for my gaming area um, that I'll be able to have cameras set up. So if I want to stream on Mixer, um, that they're going to add overlays for us because we've asked for that. And I keep yeah. asking for that. Josh, <laughs> <laughs> get on that. <laughs> Dear. Watch Mixer team. Please add overlays <laughs> on the Xbox. That oh, just, so say, much just, just say my gamer tag. Just say my gamer tag. Like, and I could say top or bottom. That's it. That's yeah. all. Like, you know. Do, do you something. not know who we are? <laughs> we 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 interviewed Josh the peons before he was famous. <laughs> yeah, before he got wicked famous over on the, <laughs> on the internet. Famous. Famous <laughs> AF. Doing doing Xbox unboxing videos for controllers and doing that magical spin that he does. Have you guys seen that with his unboxing? Yes. Oh, I think I've seen one of those. <laughs> oh, speaking Lord. speaking of speaking of uh, Mr. Steen and and unboxings, how about that, uh, Stein. that new controller? <laughs> what? I had like two things at once and I didn't oh, get any of that. I did it again. I did it again. Yeah. Uh, Stein and the new um the new Sea of Thieves. Oh, I really want that, that controller. Is, that is the coolest looking controller. Oh, I want I it so badly. Oh, I really want it. No, but it's like gonna be eight sixty five pounds. <laughs> and I really want it and I really want to dance classes, but I really and want the D controller and it's and like it's, uh, wait, transparent and everything. Did you just say I want to take dance classes? Yeah, no, basically I used to dance and I want to go back into it, but they cost, but then controller, 
Ah, one. Oh, okay. I was quite confused. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Something that's not video games? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, social Inc.? What is that? Yeah, um, I know. Apologize. Apparently, we don't do that. But no, yeah, um, it, I really like the compass. You know, on the thumbstick? I really yeah. like that. Normal, I like and how then, it has a gold tooth. One of the triggers is gold. Oh, yeah, there yeah. And the glow in the dark. Yeah. Oh, it's badass. <sighs> I really want it. But maybe, maybe, maybe if you ask Emma, real nice. You know, all this Sea of Thieves talk. You know, it would be interesting if 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 we had a release date for the game, wouldn't it? Oh wait, look over there, <laughs> a release date. Oh, that was nice. Oh, I'm finally curious. coming American out 20th vegan. of March 2018. And anyone who's interested in sweet, sweet, juicy details that no one else has had best listen to the podcast next week. This is not a subtle hint. Tune what? in next week. Dun, 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 dun. And, and just to <laughs> swing right on back, I have been playing The Evil Within 2. What? Almost exclusively. And? And it's, it looks good. I know you I, I have never seen exploding brains in 4K look so good. That is a good point. Them brains. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very, very good uh, Japanese horror game. It has a lot of the annoying sort of stereotypes, tropes, I guess, of JRPGs or Japanese games design in general, you know, lots of button mashing and, uh, and, and stuff like that. But it also sort of has sidestepped a lot of the problems that a lot of the, uh, for horror games have. I mean, the controls aren't as bad as they normally are. Um, inventory management is actually pretty simple. Um, and it's just, it's pretty good. Um, I mean, the story's not that interesting. You're looking for your daughter, and the main character just says, "What the hell is that? What the?" <laughs> over and over. Someone needs to make a. Someone should make like a supercut. Maybe I will. <laughs> of like every time he says, "What the hell?" in the game. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's very scary. Uh, really good atmosphere, uh, and it's it's good. I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. So that's. That's that's what I've been playing. Now let's let's attempt to <laughs> restore some structure and find <laughs> out what's been happening on the subreddit this week. You're listening to Xbox One Party Chat podcast. This week in the subreddit. So, first things first, the game awards happened. The official game awards and it was surprisingly not that cringe. Oh yeah, I quite I, like it. I mean, it was a bit cringe. It's always cringe. The awards but, are always be cringe. But it wasn't as cringe as last year. There was no chic hydro bot. I like fell asleep, woke up to now I can't pronounce his get a name. So the Nintendo guy racking around a master sword. Then I fell back asleep, woke back <laughs> up to Bethesda woman, the Bethesda woman on a seat, thinking, "Oh, is this a new game?" Turns out it wasn't a new game. I got disappointed and then went back to bed. <laughs> Well, I waited till the next morning so I could actually pay attention. Yeah, the I didn't. part was, was every now and again being like, so, let me tell you all about eBay. <coughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, they got to pay the bills. Um, it, it was pretty cool. There was a lot of debuts. We got a new Metro Exodus trailer. Uh, we got the release date for Sea of Thieves. Uh, there was confirmed chickens in the game. Yes. Um, I, hope, I hope we see more of the chicken. I, I I'm want... sure we will. I enjoyed the chicken. A uh, new Soul Calibur. 
Um, did either of you guys play the Soul Calibur series? Isn't it Soul Edge yeah. elsewhere? Is it Soul Edge know. in the US or the UK? We, we call it Soul Calibur. So yeah, I think it might Soul be Soul. Is it, is it Soul Calibur in the US as well? Yeah, it is Soul Calibur in the US. Where Stay is it back. Soul Edge? Uh, yeah, I anyway. To, I used to play the crap out of that game in the arcades and on the Dreamcast. Oh, Dreamcast. Yeah, boy. I had the the first one on the PS One. That was that was nice. some fun times. Yeah, thumbs were blistered. I'm I'm excited actually. I, I haven't. I mean, when was the last time you played the Soul Calibur game? <laughs> a very very <coughs> long time. It's been a very long time since I played a Soul Calibur game. I actually I saw a lot of people last time. On, on the sub asking what kind of fighting game it was. I guess it's been that long. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Soul Calibur is basically Tekken, but with weapons. So you know, swords, nunchucks. Shields. They've also got a lot of jiggle physics in that game. The very J- jiggly. Jiggle physics. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not as good as Dead or Alive, but it's close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, you know uh, interesting of, armor options uh, for those characters. Of, like the women have lots of plot development, <laughs> <laughs> plenty of backstory oh. as well. I, I'm actually very interested in playing it, though. I love, <laughs> yeah, absolutely love those games. I'm like, let's get away from that real quick. <laughs> yeah, let's let's be careful. This is a family friendly podcast. Um, yeah, it, it should be fun. It looks good too. Uh, and also, the Xbox managed to win a few awards. Uh, Forza mm. took home best sports game slash racing game. No idea what they combined the two, but it picked that up. And uh, that's again, it basically it's won every single year. Um, I'm actually just now writing the the Game of the Year awards for the Xbox One subreddit, which actually may or may not be up by the time this podcast goes out, depending on our schedule. And I have no idea why I even include the racing <laughs> the racing <laughs> segment anymore, because Forza wins by thousands of votes. Every time. <laughs> Every time. It's just the best. There's no argument. It's just the, the premier racing series on any console. There's nothing better. It's a fact. Um... But then, of course, Cuphead was nominated for a grand total of five different game awards, and it managed to win two. It won Best Art Direction and Best Indie Debut, or Best Debut Indie Game, which I think is a bit of a weird, bit of a weird award. But anyway, uh, it won those two. And, uh, the, uh, the, the president or prime minister, is he a president or prime minister in Canada? Does Canada have a president or a prime minister? No, it's a prime. It's prime minister, I think. Well, either way, the, so the definitely not president. The head honcho of the Canadians, uh, the handsome gentleman, Justin Trudeau. He's a very handsome yeah. man. Congratulated the team, uh, which is actually pretty cool. I don't think a, a head of state has ever been like nice, nice video game there, boys, because they're a Canadian team. Uh, so nice one, Cuphead devs. Um, very nice. I suspect you will also pick up one or two of the awards on our subreddit as well, if I had to. Yes. And also, finally, uh, PUBG won Best Multiplayer Game. But for some reason, they didn't hand that award out. Like, they totally forgot that category. They just skipped right over it. Oh. Yeah. I actually didn't realize that. Maybe they ran out of time or something. He <laughs> was just like, oh, yeah, and, and PUBG won Best Multiplayer. <laughs> doesn't surprise me that it would, to be fair, though. It's incredibly popular. Yes, and of course, the overall game of the year, we all decided it was either going to be Mario or Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and it was Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. If you haven't played that game, do it. You uh, owe did it you, to yourself. Have you picked up the new, is the new DLC out for that game? 
Yeah, yeah it dropped, it released dropped instantly. Like instantly, oh. like they they announced it at the Game Awards, and they're like, "Oh, by the way, you can play it right now." Like it just. I just then. saw. I just saw on the Twitters, um, a GIF or something, a clip of of Link, and it was like, "Forget horses," and it was him on a on a on a motorcycle. Oh, I've seen that. Like a burnout. They, they give like, him a. Oh the, the, my the gosh! Gives you a motorbike. Oh my gosh, that looks yeah. amazing. Amazing. I can't, I can't wait. <laughs> Cause okay, so anyone who hasn't played this game, um the, the the map is big. Um like very big. Like World of Warcraft big. Like you know when you play Skyrim, the map is big, but you know, you wander for a couple seconds and then you bump into something. Well, Breath of the Wild is actually post apocalyptic and much of the world is fairly empty. I know that might sound boring, but it's not. It really adds to the the atmosphere and the scale of it all. Um, so being able to tear ass around on a motorbike, it's like it, it's the best thing ever, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> Riding up mountains and doing jumps and stuff like that. I can't wait. I bet there's going to be some epic gifts of like dudes doing a big jump off of a hill and then backflipping off the bike, landing on their shield and like surfing down the hill and shooting some guys with arrows as they do it or something like that. It's going to be some Legolas type stuff. Legolas? <laughs> and yeah. So that was the Game Awards. Um, any, I'll tell any... you what I did. I'll, d- I'll tell you what I did. I did not watch the Game Awards, by the way. Okay, well... I refuse to watch... No, I'm just joking. I don't. I'm just, I just that, forgot that's it was strange. On. <laughs> no, no, strange hill to die on, friend. But <laughs> yes, yeah, no, uh, no. Was yeah, it no. not on, on like stupid times for you guys, like early hours in the morning? It's like three or four a.m. for me, so I watch it in the morning when I woke no, up. It's good. It's good time for me. It's. I think it's on. Um, it's out on the west coast stateside. I think it starts at like six or seven, so that's like ten or eleven Eastern time. So, uh, which is prime time for me to be watching it, but I, I think I completely forgot that it was on. So, guys, what has been your game of the year this year? Can you say yet, or do you need some time to think about it? Should we, oh, should we man. ask now and then answer next week, maybe? Yeah, let's answer that next yeah, week. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, yeah, I really that's, that's, that. a, that, that's not written down or anything. I just sprung that on them. <laughs> <laughs> Their reaction is genuine. I think, um, I think next week we should definitely mention our game of the year and you know what i'll make it easy for you You can write the top three no i've got one i've got, got one. one already oh shit that I was quick. Think I've I, got i don't mine. think i have one does it have to be xbox yeah mine unfortunately <laughs> isn't xbox it doesn't, it, it, for, but uh <laughs> i think it's gonna be mario right <laughs> man mario was so good Mario's so good. See, I haven't played Mario. Oh, okay. It's sitting in a box in my room because it's my sister's christmas present i have to watch her play it and i'm not allowed to touch it oh you. Well, one cool thing on the Game Awards is that uh, the game uh, features a really iconic song, and everyone's probably already heard it by now. Um, and they had a the Game Awards opera, and they were playing like uh, different songs from different games. And then when the Mario's part came on, they started playing the iconic song, and they actually got the singer to come out and actually start singing the, oh, that was really the Odyssey nice. theme song. It was really cool. I was really impressed with that. Do you see everyone with the hats? The cafe yeah, hats? Yeah, everyone had the stupid hats. I was like, I've got, a, so cool. I've got a key ring with my copy of the uh, I've got a hat. You have a hat? 
I have the hat. Hat. Yeah. What, if you, why don't you, you wear it on stream? Be, because I, it's technically my sister's, but I took it anyway. Um, ah. But no, if, <laughs> if, um, no, if you pre in the UK, if you pre-ordered my Odyssey, and also for quick advertisement, if anyone's near a game store, please go in. Some stores have samples left. Um, samples? Do you even call them that? Uh, but yeah, no, I because we my sister got the Odyssey. She's got the Odyssey Switch. Um, we we got a free hat, so I actually have a cappy hat. I did. I did Man. take a photo. I think it was a photo on Twitter of me wearing one, which I wore during my work shift. But no, I actually technically now own one. They're so cool. They yeah. fit snow. You need to stream with that bad boy on. I know. It's me, Karina. Karina. It's me, offensive Italian stereotype. Oh, the fake hey, mustache. By the way, did you know? like get a, did get you know- a fake mustache? Did you get my 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 six year old son was quizzing me on Mario? By the way, did you guys know what Mario's last name is? Oh, Mario, I used Mario! To. It's Mario, Mario. Yeah, who names Mario, their Mario. character Mario? And, Mario? and his brother's Luigi Mario. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why they're called the Mario Bros. Yeah, because they are actually like yeah. Mario yeah, it makes sense now, but I was like, what? They really name the guy Mario Mario? <laughs> See, this is actually an in-joke that goes all the way back to the uh, the 1993 or 1994 live-action film. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I tried watching that one. A.K.A. the greatest movie ever made. Yeah, I never watched that. Thank you. Yeah, you what? probably don't want to. Dude. Okay. Imagine, well, basically they take oh, no, Mario. Oh, no, I know it. <laughs> and they, they put it into a post-apocalyptic cyberpunk universe where people listen to rock set and, and dance and... And and their heads spin around while they do that. <laughs> do you need some time to process that? <laughs> that Clay's like, what? What is going on? Mario, cyberpunk, post-apocalyptic, futuristic. What? <laughs> Seriously, yeah. it's the best movie ever made. Anyone who says otherwise, I'm going to ban from Reddit. Um, I just realized if we stream PUBG, we need a frying pan. We do. I have plenty. Why is there not but- a frying pan hat? It should come with a frying pan hat. Microsoft sent Jez from Windows Central a fry pan. Oh, the PUBG boxes. I've seen a yeah. few people get them. They look pretty cool. You get a, yeah, you do. Uh, you know what? Please send me one because I legit need, I don't own a frying pan right now. <laughs> I could actually be do, I could actually do with a frying pan. So, do you know uh do you know what I'm 3D printing right now? Is a frying like pan? the most a fr- the stupidest thing I've ever 3D printed. It is a frying pan. <laughs> yes. Amazing. I can't wait. <laughs> so for those who don't know, frying, the frying pan is a bit of an icon in PUBG, and I, I've actually looked into this story because it's a stupid melee weapon you can pick up, and when you hit someone, it goes bong. But not just that, uh, there was a glitch in the early programming. They figured out that basically the fry pan deflects bullets. Oh, have you seen the video? It's bulletproof. It, it actually, it's not just bulletproof, but it deflects bullets. They bounce off of it, and... They actually left it in because it's so amazing. And so when, when you've got the, the fry pan in your inventory, you have it on your back. And you can actually, if you go to YouTube and search like best of pan compilation, you will see some amazing saves of people just like walking along and then and a bullet just bounces <laughs> off the pan and like saves their life. Like accidentally got and it out I at ha- the right yeah, time. And I have seen a guy in, in, a, in a video uh, like some guy's got a shotgun and he's shooting at this dude backpedaling who's got a pan and he's running at him and the dude with the pan is basically 
Darth Vader in this dude and swatting the shotgun pellets out of the air like a lightsaber, just like just swinging the pan back and forth and just swatting the pellets out of the way before he closed the distance and killed him with it. It's it's the greatest weapon in gaming. You know, I think we've basically rambled on long enough. Uh, we still need some time in this interview to squeeze in this interview in this episode to squeeze in the interview. <laughs> but before I cut us away, uh. I want to quickly point out the dude. Uh, it was posted by the hardest R, uh, and this is a guy who was caught on camera saving his Xbox from the wildfires in like the most dramatic picture ever. Uh, he was caught on camera by the local news. Uh, did you guys see that? I did. Yeah. It's such an epic picture. He's like running away from this huge wall of flame. His house is on fire. There's firefighters everywhere, and he's got like. Uh, uh, a balacla- not a balaclava, but like um, like a, a cloth bandana. tied around his a bandana. Thank you, bandana tied around his mouth, and he's like he's just running away, like full on action shot, and he's got this Xbox cradled in his arm, <laughs> sticker on the Xbox and everything, just bolting oh. from the fire, like you'd expect him to be carrying his child. Or priorities, <laughs> see, they're the correct like priorities, and it's it's just such a, an epic shot, and yeah, someone posted that on the subreddit, uh, and actually Major Nelson caught caught the thread and reached out to the guy so i presume they they sent him some cool stuff uh, i think that's just really funny it's <laughs> such a great picture everyone should everyone should look that up but uh guys uh thank you so much for joining me on this really weird and unusual episode but it's getting close to christmas so uh you know all bets are off and, and ross is stuck at work so what's he gonna do about it uh <laughs> and yeah so I'm just going to basically end the podcast here and we're going to spend the rest, the rest, the rest of the podcast listening to this pre-recorded interview with the guys from Frictional Games who are best known for the Amnesia series and they just released Soma on the Xbox One. So take it away, Xbox voiceover lady. Xbox Snap, this week's interview. Now, please note this interview may contain some spoilers about the game, so if you haven't been lucky enough to play Soma, then you may want to listen to it after. All right, everyone, welcome back to this week's interview. Today we have, as promised, a super cool guest. We have Thomas Grip, who is the creative director and co-founder of Frictional Games. Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's uh, fantastic to have you on here. I am... Uh, fangirling, uh, like mad. You can't see me, but I am, uh, I- I'm, I'm literally shaking because uh, <laughs> you guys are, have been a, a huge, I'm a huge fan of, of frictional games and I'm so glad that you finally made the, uh, the switch to Xbox. Uh, and, uh, you guys just released, uh, Soma on the Xbox yes, One. That's true. That's so, highlight. Yeah. But, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. But first, why don't we start off by, you know, Telling us a little bit about who you are and what exactly it is that you do at Frictional Games. Wow, that's a hard question. But, but yes, this is, I'm, as, as you said, um, creator, director, and, and co-founder of Frictional Games. What, what that means is I do a lot of stuff. So we're still a small studio. So we're, it's really hard counting how many we are, but somewhere like 15 to 20, depending on who we count as being in the studio. Um, so you, you get to wear a lot of hats and so forth. So I'm, I mainly do designing 
a lot of running the company, like project management and so on, and also uh, quite a bit of programming, depending on, you know, what the hell we're doing currently. So that's my, I think that's my, my main things. Um, and I've been part of the company since the start, obviously, since I was part of founding it. So worked on all, all our games. Um, not sure if there's much to add without getting it very in depth. <laughs> Now, can you tell us a little... Oh, by the way, Ross is here as well. I'm not on the rest of the episode. I've just oh, yeah, hi, Ross. <laughs> I've just popped up <laughs> for this interview. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but can you tell us a little bit about the history of Frictional? What made you personally want to start up a gaming company? Oh, yeah. So, so I've been interested in making my own games for a long, long time, since the late 90s something, and so I'm making my own games and, and, and sort of fell into making horror games. I made it at the, at the turn of the century. Is that a, the correct phrase? Um, so, so some, some, I released it sometimes in 2001 or something. Um, and it was a sort of a homage to uh, Lovecraft. And, and then after that, I, I started a new horror game because it, it this felt like an interesting genre to working. And then I um, came to meet uh, with uh, Jens, um, who I had later co-founded uh, Frictional with. And we were like, he had made uh, games on his own. He was more of a sound guy. So he's, he's helped out other people making sounds for their games. Um, and so we started the company at some point in 2006 and officially was formed um, and registered at the state and so forth in 2007. But 2006, we, we started the company based on a tech demo that we had made, which uh, we just released for free, um, but, it, but it got something like a million downloads, which in wow. 2005 or something like that was quite a bit. Because we were like, shit, we, we should try and make money out of this. But like, <laughs> until that point, I, it's, it's sort of weird, like looking back at how the indie scene, or it wasn't really called the indie scene back then, but how, how you thought about things. And, and when I released my first horror game, some, there was some guy mailed me who said, well, you should really try and sell this. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like, I can't sell my, my stuff. So, so, so that now it feels like, you know, everyone should sell their in, in the games. There's a whole, you know, you know, because of Steam and whatnot, there's a whole different, you know, view on how, how you can make a living and so on. But I really had no, I really didn't think I was going to be able to make my own game company when I started out making my own games. But then it just sort of just happened. We started a company, and, and, and I sort of continued doing what I've been doing since, you know, since I was, like, 17, just sitting at my desk coding games. and But now I, like, I, I get money from it somehow. It's all very bizarre, <laughs> to, to, to be honest. Um, it doesn't really feel like I've never like it doesn't feel like I've ever held a proper job. I, I, I was a dishwasher for three months, but that's sort of it. Other than that, I've just been playing around for for now ten years. So this is very weird. So you have dishwasher on your on your like LinkedIn profile and nothing. Yeah, else? yeah. So that's it. if I send out my CV, that's the only proper job like everyone mentioned. No, it's it's, it's weird. No, for the longest time, I, I, I know like who's now my mother-in-law is like, oh, shouldn't you like, you know. We have some other jobs for you, as you know, you could, you could deliver newspapers and stuff like that. So it's like you know, but but now it's like you know, we're doing a good earning and so on on this. But but for the longest time, it didn't feel like even when we started the company, like this was going to be something you know I could make for a living and I could just hang on to it for you know as as long as as as, as I could. Um, but 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 now it's it's 
it's like turned into a big business with many people employed and so on. And 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 again, like it's 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 hard to like when I think about it. The more I think about it, the more weird it, it just feels to to be able to work like that. And especially because um, an interesting point is that up until very recently, the summer to be exact, we didn't have an office at Frictional. Um, I'm still not working at the office because the, the office is, is in, in another town. It's like a our train ride away from here, but everyone's been working from home and so forth. So I've never like left home. That is like like a, obviously lived in different places and so forth, but um, you're still sitting at home working, which makes that feel of not doing a proper job even more so. And it was sort of weird when when we released Amnesia, the whole team had not met. We met like wow. a half a year afterwards or something like that. No, yeah, we only conversed over Skype and uh, whatnot. So, so yeah, it, it, uh, you know, the reaction is, is pretty common. Like, how do you do that? So now I'm like, like, you know, you don't have to sit around people who and then talk about other things and so on. You get very focused on just doing work. Um, obviously, like socially, it can be a bit demanding, but you sort of get into it uh, after a bit. I, I mean, you know, for, for 10 years, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't feel like it feels weird to me going to an office. Uh, yeah. Um, just, you know, oh, you know, being around other people who are talking and like, not sitting in <laughs> silence and being able to play music and whatnot as I like. That, that's really weird. Like wearing pants. Like, is that a thing you do out in real All world? Like, it just, sounds yeah. oh, it's so Nordic. I can, I can feel it. Like, ah, yes, people. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> You're living the Nordic dream, my friend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I remember, I'm not sure if Finland or Sweden is words, but I think it's, it's, it's about the same. I remember you seeing a picture from on Reddit or somewhere on, on a Finland. Finnish bus line, you know, people are <laughs> evenly spaced by one meter or so. Yes. And, you know, it's the same with Sweden. It's like, you know, you're really careful about where you're going to sit. And it's very fun. But I'm guessing Britain is not that far away from the. Just to inter- interject here, you were saying it's we, we're in the same situation that, uh, you know, Reese and I have been doing this podcast a while uh, and we've never actually met, so it was a bit similar. But unlike yous, you know, we, we, we don't make games, we just make podcasts. But usually yeah. when our listens, listeners listen to this podcast, they wish they had a bit of amnesia. So it's probably quite mm-hmm. similar. Yeah. <laughs> all, all that for that, that one was, joke. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah all that, that funny joke. But that was actually one of the most interesting uh, answers we've ever had to that that question, I have to say. Because, uh, like, that's a really... A really unique story uh, about how you started and 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 how you guys were completely remote. That's that's actually really cool. Uh, so that was that was really interesting. But let's let's swing back on topic here because we went off on quite a tangent there. Um, and uh, you know you just released your latest game, Soma. It's not it's not new. It's been out for like what two years now yeah, on the, the PC and PS4. Now. But it, it's finally made its way to the Xbox, and everyone is everyone is excited. So for those who are unfamiliar with Soma, can you just you know, briefly describe the game for us in your own words. Yes, so it's an underwater sci-fi adventure with horror elements. That's something about it. Um, it's a bit of a... It's hard to explain, I guess, more if you want to get more into it. But basically, you it's, it's a lot about experience a certain story and uh, then you're in a very horrible environment as, as you're doing this. And one of the th- reasons why we created the game was that there was a lot of these interesting philosophical topics that we wanted to discuss and we felt that the game was a very interesting way of letting 
you know, instead of just reading about some very abstract thought experiment, you could be inside that thought experiment. And that was something that sort of drove the whole development. So we talk about things of identity and consciousness and sort and that sort of thing. And all that happens in this underwater world where there's weird creatures roaming about. I think that sums the game up. I hope so. Pretty <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> good summary for me. Yeah. Now, was it particularly difficult to bring the gameplay um, you invented in the, the old-timey Lovecraftian setting of Amnesia into a gritty sci-fi future like Soma? Yeah, so we're sort of... I, I'm guessing a bit like... We're sort of was constrained by our pedigree or legacy to to a certain degree, where we I think that we we have like a fat one, one so, so two things on it. So so one is that we know how to make a specific line of games, and I don't want to stray too far from that. Like uh, we were we're already like as as you say we're working we're now doing a. A, a sci-fi environment which has all sort of the new things just working in that environment um, even if we had had uh, exactly the same gameplay um, and so we don't want to, uh, to change that sort of basic formula too much but and then on on top of that we also have like a, a pretty big fan base who's like expecting horror from us so we, we we sort of tried and make sure we can have that but still have the sort of philosophical things in it and, and i think the horror is in so much so like in amnesia the horror is like center stage you play the game to have these sort of horrific encounters that's the sort of reason uh, for, for playing it whereas in Soma the horror is more of building a tone that helps you get into these sort of f- philosophical things and like experiencing the sci-fi narrative to it all so so that's the sort of thing that we we're trying the difference between the two and then that has been a lot of like like I know so for instance now we're releasing in on, on Xbox with a safe mode that we haven't had before where you can make it um the monsters uh, non non lethal so they're not they're still going to be spooky and so on but they're not going to kill you because there's been a lot of people who didn't like that aspect of it some people love that aspect of the game while others were like well oh, I just want to I just want to you know experience the story and so forth so we now two years after we we added a mode so that people <laughs> pick what sort of experience uh, and they wanted but but just as a side note also you say what dif- difficulties and these are very gameplay wise difficulties in, in terms of monsters zone but one difficulty was the setting and i didn't actually going into it i felt like wow one of the annoyances with amnesia was that you constantly have to look for references like how is uh, how does this sort of gothic castle look and what sort of shares are you going to look so, so i i was really into shares you know <laughs> antique shares for a bit there and so now like sci-fi wow we can do whatever we please it's going to get so much easier and it was so much harder because you don't have references so you you have to go like in an indirect fashion in figuring out all of these references and one of the typical examples i usually bring up is that one artist made all of the walls with bolts 
and the other artists didn't make any walls. So like they, oh no, they did well together metal pieces. So that's how he, he considered um, um, this the sci-fi environment. And the other guy was, well, they're going to bolt it together. So we just had to make a decision. Like, and this was like half an hour, a year into the game or something like that. We were like, shit, we're not, we're not consistent in this style. And <laughs> whereas, yeah, it's, it's just small thing like the damn bolts. But it was a huge uh, issue in just fixing this because it's like... Tons of assets that uh, yeah. had these differences, and uh, when Amnesia, you didn't have those problems because we could basically go and visit these sort of environments, and like the artists can look at them and so on, and we can have uh, very easy to 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 find reference photos. But if you have like an, a futuristic underwater um, research facility, you're not going to find there is one, but it, it, it definitely doesn't look anything like the one that we have in game. So finding references was uh, really, really hard. Um, so that actually was uh, a really big challenge, much, much bigger than I anticipated going into it all. That's crazy. I'm going to be checking uh, games texturing for bolts now. You I'll be writing a review in the future and like game does not feature accurate representation of bolts six out of ten (laughs) (laughs) but you actually uh answered one of our our follow-up questions which was about safe mode because it's uh, such a a different kind of thing so i'm going to skip right over that and say that you know speaking of you know lovecraft uh because you mentioned him and and ross mentioned him you know your your stories are you know very clearly influenced by his work but are there any particular like sci-fi novels movies or games that inspired your sort of sci-fi angle with soma Wow, there, there, there's there's tons. Um, so, so I'm, I'm gonna try and, and, and be brief here because I could yeah. talk about sci-fi influence a lot. So um, in in terms of so, so there's mostly I think in in terms of the philosophical themes and so on. There's books and both nonfiction and and fiction. One of my um, Phil K. Dick obviously is, is is a big inspiration of one of the more known authors. But there's also authors like Peter Watts and Greg Agan. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with those guys, but they write really hardcore science um, uh, sci-fi. And and the thing with their writing is that they're very like like some sci-fi, like say Star Wars. They're, they're not so much into thinking about what's actually happening. They're more like using the environment to talk, to tell an exciting story. Whereas they're used their environments to like probe human nature and like what, what does it mean if we had this technology? What would it really mean? So very, we're very inspired by trying to have the same approach for Soma where we like really thought about like if this was for real, what would be the effects of it? And then there's also as I mentioned earlier about uh, philosophical and um, thought experiments, and there's a ton of literature in that that's been extremely inspirational. And uh, so for instance, there's an author called Daniel Dennett, a philosopher, um, who's, who's written a lot of these sort of funny thought experiments that uh, give rise to uh, some of the stuff in the game. There, there's actually there's one instance where you have to decide whether you want to murder a small robot is actually directly taken from an example of his is pretty fun um that was actually our 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 design document just featured a link to 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 that article or actually just screw you for that point by the way yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it it worked really well 
So, so yeah, so, so that, that was a sort of inspirational sources that we had, so tons of them um, thrown in. Another this is sort of big inspirational point has been an author called Shina Maville, uh, Rich Charter. Um, and, and, and thing, he doesn't really write sci-fi. He writes weird fantasy or weird uh, uh, weird fiction, I think is this is sort of the uh, name you use for it. And but, but his worlds are extremely consistent. So that was something we wanted to bring to the mix as well. Um, with, with having wor- worlds that are not just simply there, but, you know, again, as I said, if we have something we think about, well, how would this influence? Like, they're all underwater. How would that influence this and that and so on? Um, like, in, it's just an example from one of Meville's stories, um, Pigger Street Station, which is his, I think, his breakthrough novel. Um, he has a character that's uh, dating a girl who has a, a beetle for a face, like literally just a big cockroach instead of a face. And, and then he just, you know, he takes that at face value and, and you know, how their relationship would be giving this. And, and so, 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 so stuff like that is really, I'm, I'm finding that really inspiring. Like you can take something that's so out there and so bizarre, but then you do it in a way that, you know, oh, you know, you really get into the world and like you can really, it feels realistic in some sense that, you know, he just considers all of the consequences and just falls with it. And that, that's something that's been very inspirational as well. Um, then, then in terms of movie inspiration, there's again, there's tons like The Abyss, um, just for setting and so on. There's also this sort of small inspiration note that might be worth noting where you can use the source to just make sure something works. So for instance, we started out, um, with Soma with all of the characters having flippers. Because the underwater waters are going to be swimming around, but the problem is we don't want the players swimming around because that's so it, it's sort of annoying to control. Like no one likes underwater levels in games, <laughs> um, and and it also means that if the player then is walking, if the other characters are swimming about, that's going to feel weird. And, and then the play there's going to be hard to reach places and so on. So like, can't people just be walking around? And then in Sphere, there's this moment where they walk to their base or to a sub or something like that. And, and, and like, like, wow, this doesn't look like totally bad. We can actually have walking. So that was like, we could just use a movie just to get a sense of, you know, if they get away with it, if I, I've seen this movie and we're all seeing this movie and, um, we all can agree that no one like was thinking, why are they walking at the bottom of the ocean? That's, that's not going to work. Um, if they could get away with it, we're going to be able to get away with it as well. So that was another sort of inspirational source to use. Nice. Nice. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about your, your monster design? Like who on the team dreams up this, this messed up stuff? Who hurt them as children? And, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a very much a collaborative approach in, in, in many ways, but we, we have a um, concept artist that's obviously had had bad childhoods or whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> I've been hit on the head too many times. No, sorry. But, but, but uh, yes, yeah, so, so you obviously have, um, someone just saying, you, you know, thinking of some designs, but, but a lot of the case, it's, it's, it's connected with what I said before, that you just take something and roll with it. So it's like, you know, there's going to be, you, you know, we have this sort of base wide AI thing. It's not really like an AI that in most games, but this is a bit special, I think, but it's called the wow. It's like the warden unit who takes care of the station and, 
when when everything goes to hell, he, he goes sort of rogue, but in a sort of it's, it's again it's, it's an inspirational source from from other um, from other philosophical okay. papers actually, and and it's a thought experiment called the paperclip maximizer, which is that say you have an AI that's just um, Gonna, it, it just builds paper clips, and you think that oh, it's gonna be the most harmless thing ever. But you know, if that becomes too intelligent, paper clips maximizer is just gonna turn every human into paper clips because you know, obviously, it considers paper clips the the optimal form of any matter. So, so, <laughs> so you can have something that just sounds, you know, harmless, but then turns really harmful if, if it's giving enough. Power. And, and the same thing here with the warden unit is that it tries to like it sees that people are dying, so it's like, oh, you know, I gotta fix them. And then it just turns them into these sort of horrible creatures that are alive and in constant pain. But you know, that's not really, you know, the framework you're working with. You know, as long as there's a pulse, it's gonna be happy about what it's uh, achieved. So that's the sort of thing that also influences a lot of these designs where you think about, you know, how would this go about fixing it? Then the and so forth. So that's uh, a lot of how that uh, came about. And and then there's also, again, just thinking about how to make spooky things. And and a lot of it is just, the, the, yeah, how how you we people tend to feel unnerved when something feels, you know, it's 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 something that we encounter in daily life like a face, but something is off, like an, an eye is in the wrong place or something like that. And and then we. we we, we find that uh, a bit unnerving and so on. So you try and hit those sort of, uh, sort of things when designing things. But, but yes, yeah, so, 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 so you have all of that, that, that goes into the creature designs. It's, it's, I, I don't think you, this obviously sometimes someone just gets a really crazy idea, like a disturbing idea that turns really frightening. But I think most of the time you work from, it sounds sort of very scientific and boring, but you work from basic principles and just, you know, go from there to the final results. But but more often than not, that's what actually brings the best results about. Yeah, like one of the, the your trademark moments, I suppose, is, is not being able to work, in, work at the monsters directly. Mm. But what I really want to know is, is what goes into designing a scary moment and how do you really test it when you know already what's going to happen? Yes, it's, it's really hard. So there, there's two things to it, I think. So so one is that um, so obviously it's not an exact science. It's not a sex that I want to be. We do try and do our best. Um, so, so again, I, I think the set of first principles that I used is not bad to have in, in that you, okay, so, so you know the basic ingredients of making a st- scary story and then you like try and achieve those. So, so that's your sort of basic route that you can, uh, let's use that as a framework where you know that, okay, we're not, we, it seems like we're not getting this and that. And then you can sort of try and boost those aspects of, of your scene. Then it usually starts as an idea where you're like, wow, this would actually be frightening. And that idea might pop up from seeing something in a movie, from just, you know, being out in the dark and like, you know, if a monster popped up at this very moment, I would possibly shit my pants. And so (laughs) so you can use that as something where you're like, okay, then let's try and recreate that. 
in the game. So, so, so that's where you build up on. So you have that sort of idea that you try and form into a workable interactive situation. Then once you have that interactable, interactive situation, you must obviously test it. And one way is, is to test it on, on people who haven't played the game and like see their reactions. The problem with doing this is that you lose, you can, you can see if it works or not, but it can be very hard to get feedback and you lose a certain personal sense and feel to it. I think it's very important that you sell, you can sense in a very like hands on manner, like what it's like in the scene. If you're, if you're entirely like unemotional towards whatever happens there, it's going to be very hard to tweak things because you, you, you might not like intuitively sense where it error lies. So th- what you need to do is to play your own stuff. Um, and make sure that you can get scared by it, even though you know what will happen. The way that I usually do this is by just playing a game where I'm tired, but not too tired. So my brain is starting to sort of close down. And then <laughs> you can usually get into a good sort of state there where you're not so tired. So you just you know, get anything, but you're, you're, you're sort of basic functions of being able to tell reality from fantasy are slowly you know start stop uh, starting to not work and mm. you can you can use that moment in order to feel the scene a bit so 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 that's one way of doing it and then also having people test one other scene and then you know because all know what you're trying to achieve um get a better sense from that but i think that's the the, the the techniques that we use to to try and build uh, something scary. That's highly scientific sounding, you know. Yeah, yeah, it sounds more scientific. Think about what would make you shit your pants, get really yeah. tired, and then try it out for yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> oh lord. But uh, so another one we're talking about, you know, that you guys have a lot of you know sort of horror trademarks, and another one that you, all of your games have had, uh, your famous games have had anyway. Uh, is that you have no way of fighting back. It's like sort of the core, the core concept of the game. It's that you are a passive observer. You know, you can't fight these things. You know, what, what I want to know is at, at what point did this enter into your design philosophy? Like, did you start off having weapons and then being like, this sucks and pull them? Or did you build the entire game from the start with the concept that you couldn't fight back? Yeah. So, so we actually started with the sucks part. So, um, what we did in our first game, number first like visually and was that we thought of okay so, so we should have weapons but we want to make sure that the weapons are uh, a bit weak and hard to use because we wanted them to be used as a last resort like if you you know you know in a horror movie the the, the protagonist final girl or whatnot he pulls up a plank and like hits uh, uh, whoever the antagonist is on the head and then they're like get a bit dizzy and they're you know they can escape but what they don't do is take the plant and like beat them to death or something like that. So we wanted to have that sort of aspect of horror movies into our games. And then it felt like, well, weapons actually is, this is a very cool thing to have. So we added, you know, really awesome weapons into to the number of like a hammer and a broom and, and, <laughs> and players. But, 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 but the thing is that players are like primed to think of weapons in a specific way. So we found that players, upon getting a weapon, even if it's just this small hammer and they're going up against the dynamic dog, um, a, a, a demonic dog, they're going to 
they're going to use the hammer and try to beat that dog. And often they're going to find these weird glitches in the game in order to do that, like sitting at a certain place in a level allows them to be out of reach, but still be in reach in order to hit the, the dog. So we found a lot of places where we're abusing the system and not really using it as we sh- as, as we should. So we thought that so our first reasoning was to think, that, well, we could possibly just change how we do the weapons and and tweak them. But it just felt like, depending on who is playing, what the right level of tweaking is, is highly variable. So we, we just tried it internally, and we had like some a more hardcore gamer, and, and he, he needed it really hard, whereas we had the other person who wasn't that into playing, you know, that much of a hardcore gamer. And and, and for him, it was like too hard. And, you know, he, he was never going to be able to use the weapons at all. So then our decision was, why if we just remove them? Like, like, how would that change? And it turns out it changed everything uh, from um, just how the player reacts in the environment and how they really experience the game as a whole. Because when you have weapons and when you have combat, a large part of the the player's attention is going to be at, you know, how am I going to hit the next monster that pops out? What weapon am I going to pick? And they're going to be very obsessed by those things. And they're not, because of that, they're not going to notice like the smaller things. But when we removed weapons, players starting picking up on very, you know, quiet sounds like they hear some, footsteps uh, in the distance and so forth and suddenly like that became a huge part of the game and they're like oh you know i hear some steps even if that's just a you know a, a stupid sound effect player and they're like oh yeah oh, I, I, i'm not sure i should move on from here and, and so on and that was something that we really didn't find when people had had weapons so which was a big game changer for us but even so, and it worked well, so, so we did this for our fo- follow-up game for number called Number Black Plague, and then when we were going to use Amnesia, we were like, well, you know, weapons are still fun. The thing is that when you don't have weapons, it's also a very good design framework, because you're, you're forced to think up situations, you know, that are interesting, because... Not having weapons is not intrinsically interesting. You need to build in, uh, up scenarios that make it interesting for a player. Whereas if you have weapons, you can go, well, we have a maze and we have a monster patrolling the maze. Then we have gameplay like design done, let's move on. And we actually did that a lot for our first Penumbra game. But it's so enticing to have this... <laughs> this opportunity to just throw combat in there. So you're like, well, you know, perhaps we should have combat after all. So we actually went and tried it again for Amnesia, but then we're like, no, 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 let's just drop it. And then we get back to sort of non-weaponless and we tried to keep it, uh, keep it since. But yeah, so, so, so it was a, it's been a, a long process for us and dropping it. It wasn't like just, we didn't just come uh, come up with the idea out of the blue, but it was something that, that grew over a longer time period. Nice. Now, you could be. It could be said that you guys are pretty responsible for reinvigorating the horror, 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 the horror <laughs> genre this generation. Arguably, if it wasn't for titles like Amnesia, we wouldn't have got games like probably what Alien Isolation. That's a good one. If you played Alien Isolation, would you like to see that kind of dynamic AI in fractional games, for example? 
Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, obviously it's, it's it's very fun to hear. I'm not sure how much uh, you know. On some days, I, I, it feels like we we were very responsible. So on others, not. You know, it depends on egoistic. I'm feeling at the moment narcissistic. I am at the moment, but um, <laughs> no, no, no. It's very fun that that, that that people think so, and it's fun to see. I, I hope at least. I'm not sure to what degree, but it's 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 it's, it's, it's it feels very. Um, feel very honored and hum- humble that this game like Alien Isolation is like can can, can be at least you, you're a part of, of of causing it because I think it's a although there there's aspects of it that I that, that I didn't like there there's there's other as like I just like it existing and then you know there's a lot of really amazing bits in in in, in that game and but 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 yeah so so when it comes to more dynamic AI and so on yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I would really like to see it. But what I would more like to see is that we move on from the player just simply being chased and hiding and trying to distract monsters. Because it just feels like it, it felt a bit interesting doing it for Amnesia. But now there's been so many games doing it that it's no longer feels as interesting. I remember, for instance, playing uh, a few months back, playing the latest Outlast. And, and yeah. I'm just like, you know, this is, this is a really cool stuff in that game. But but I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm bored out of my skull doing this. I, I want to do something else. It's so passive. I want to be an active participant in a horror game. So we're like, right now, a big focus in the studio is trying to get back an active ingredient. And I think that doing AI that's interesting is, is, is a big part of that. And that's like one solution that we're pursuing. We're doing actually two 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 projects at this time. And, and one of them is, is uh, we're working a lot on just having more dynamic and interesting AI that works in the world and, uh, in interesting ways as, as, as part of coming up with that solution. And then for in the other game, we're, we're trying some, some other approaches to see how that so- can work. Just to interject here, so did, in your mind, did that why Resident Evil, the latest Resident Evil, was well received because it had similar elements like that, but it progressed them on a little bit? Yes, yeah, so, so, so this is sort of like a deeper discussion, uh, but but I think I, I think that what makes a game interesting for a player is is very much um, how much. They can plan and execute those plans on, and as a Zamora game has tons of these, but all on lower timescales, whereas a, a game like Civilization has it on like very much grander timescales, and the timescales are not so, so important as is that you actually do this sort of loop of planning and executing plans. And, and one thing that, um, um, I, I would like to 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 add, to add to our games is, is that sort of sense. And yes, Resident Evil Seven very much have that sense. And and there's sort of cheating a bit, and it's sort of you, you call that by, by having like an inventory system. So you're, you're constantly managed. My what? Roomba just turned on. <clears throat> this is awkward. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's a robot uprising. It is sort of fitting. <laughs> it's quite fitting, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's trying to disrupt the thing. But but very shortly, I'm going to resonate. Professional evil podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, there, um, 
they're using the, the inventory management and so on a lot to their advantage. And I think it's a good thing because you're constantly thinking about, okay, what, what, what items should I equip? And, you know, you want to enter, like, you get these sort of really good um, risk and reward scenarios where you're like, I really want to search this room again. But also, there might be a monster there, so I, I, I'm, I'm going to not search this possibly. So, 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 so there's a lot of, of that going on. And even though, and that sort of feels like gameplay, even though you're not, you know, it's not active like in a Mario game. Yeah, that's um, and, and, really I th- and, and I think that's missing from, like, like uh, again, don't want to get too harsh on, on Outlast, but I think they're doing a lot of cool stuff. But I think that there's, there's like, where you just simply progress through hiding and so on, and you're not really you're not really in control of where you want to go and why you want to go there. You're basically just following along on a, on a path that the, the game's designers set out for you. Um, so, so I think that's a big thing that the Resident Evil gets away with that. And then, you know, there's no one's going to call Resident Evil a walking simulator or anything like that. Yeah. And, and, and I'm very fascinated by that sort of difference because we got that reply a lot for Soma, whereas we didn't get anyone calling Nisha a walking simulator at all. Yeah. That's that's really interesting. I mean, a lot of what you said actually just sort of rings true. This isn't scripted, by the way. I'm just flying this off the cuff. But like when you say that that people balance um, risk and reward with inventory management, you know, Dead Dead Space is one of my favorite series because I love sci-fi and I love yeah. horror, which is coincidentally why I like Soma so much. And uh, I, I would always think, say, I even said out loud at one point, like, my greed is greater than my fear. Like, you know, I, I need to look into this room to find the the loots. And, you know, also what you said about, uh, I was thinking hard about how you said that this, it feels a bit like it's, you know, just hiding from the enemies can, can sort of be not so good anymore, like an outlast. And I was actually thinking more of a really great game whose developer we actually had on here for an interview at one point, which is Observer. Have you played that? Yeah, yeah, I played it. Yeah, I played it. Yeah. And it's it's very game. much like Soma, uh, yeah. but but more cyberpunk, I suppose. And I thought that the weakest parts of that game were when you had to actually hide. Yeah, I I, I was so much more enjoying the the exploring and talking to the the citizens, you know, the new stuff, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I haven't gotten to the parts where I hide. I'm actually going to try oh, to really? I get to those parts. No, I'm, 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 I'm hopelessly bad at playing longer sessions of, of games. I get, I, I, I develop uh, first-person games for, for a living, but I still get nauseous from certain first-person games. And I, and, and unfortunately, uh, Observer is one of those games. So I'm, I have to play it in the, in small chunks in order. So to no VR for you. Busy. No, no, no VR for me. I, I got, I tried some horror game in VR, and uh, I had a headache. Like. Uh, Twenty-four hours later, or something. Wow. It's not good. I'm not a good person for that. But it's, it's, it's weird that you can sort of not develop games and not uh, get into that. I'm not sure what the difference is. But 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 n- never mind. Yeah. Um, um, I, I think that that's that sort of hiding and so on. This is getting away. And and, and, I, and I and I also really enjoyed the sort of talking to the various uh, inhabitants and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The apartment so, building and observer, that's really cool. And I, I don't think I would enjoy as much of a monster encounter. Yeah, it's it's not not it's not the strongest part of the game, I suppose. But uh basically I'll uh I'll I'll bring us on to the, the second last question. Ross has uh, a very, very important question for you, which is always the final question, so you have to sort of prepare yourself in advance for that yeah, one. Yeah. But I'll 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 basically <clears throat> lose my voice halfway through a sentence. 
And then I just want to know what's next for Frictional? Because you mentioned uh, you're working on two separate titles. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So, so we're working on, let's see how much I can say yes to Yeah, I know you can't say Censoring much, myself but. here a bit. But, but, but we're working on one which is going to be horrific in nature. And that, that project is uh, in production right now. And then we have another in free production where we're going to go a bit more narrative focused. And I think that's all I can say at this point, but yeah, we have to, it's, it's a big new thing for the studio, but I think it's an important thing for us to, you know, or to grow a, a large part of like just keeping people like, like when we started uh, Soma, it was, the artist has nothing to do and we only knew it was going to be underwater. So for half a year, the only modeled fish, <laughs> <laughs> which is not the best use of the time because that's something that's easily outsourced we just got a lot of fish uh, um, for the game it was it ended up being good, good for the game but but still we, we, we I would like to like have make sure that people have like an, a project to jump onto once uh, one is is finished and then it's also a matter of just being able to take more risks and so on so so if if, if uh, project bumps we don't have like reboot and like uh, start to get really really cautious about things but we we have you know another one in the pipeline that 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 can generate income as well so 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 i think it's, it's going to be very important for us in order to be keep stable over the coming years um so yeah that's what we're now the question that all the listeners and i'm assuming you have been mm. waiting for it's probably the hardest question you'll ever be asked. I know it's the hardest question I ever have to ask someone. But which classic video game character could you knock out with one punch? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Like, I'm, 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 I'm not... So I haven't tried punching, but I'm, 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 I'm not so aware of that. I'm so thinking, like, my, my punching power here. <laughs> what, 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 what was classical? And it's a good interpretation yeah, of the question, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm now I'm, I'm I'm probably overthinking this way too much, as you might have noticed from me. Just, I'm starting just to listen to your heart, Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm thinking it's it's just possibly some some skeleton character or something like that, at least. Um, don't you have an? Uh, um, I'm thinking. Why am I thinking? Are there any? skeletons in, in Ghost and Goblins that's the only thing that sort of pops up in my mind why is, I'm not sure why Ghost, Ghost and Goblins is in my mind well, I'm possibly one of the, the, the starter characters uh, um, the starter enemies from there um, but, but what else is, is, is there to, to punish in game um, <laughs> I, I could probably like uh, Sister, I'm, I'm, I was I was thinking like, like sorry, but, but I'm, I'm I'm totally derailing on this question. But I was thinking that Joshi is probably pretty punchable. But then I'm thinking he's possibly have a pretty thick skull as well because that you know he, he doesn't have like, <laughs> brainy of characters. So I would probably just hurt my hand um, <laughs> trying to knock that out. But because I thought it was soft, but then I'm thinking that actually in actual anatomy he might actually be uh, not I can be safely that. say you're the first person ever to discuss the uh, the cranial anatomy of Yoshi on this yeah, podcast yeah I gotta be hung up on that that, that <laughs> aspect of it um, now I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking of, of what else like like, like to be honest like, like most video game characters are actually not very fragile they can actually you know really well, get you know who do you hate who do you hate? Yeah, who who would you like? Who, uh-huh. who, who, who like? I would like to punch. 
that like like it depends on but 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 fuck like say Donkey Kong and this is something yeah. of earlier games in the arcade <laughs> version at least like like fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> really, lots of hateful moments in that. I possibly <laughs> possibly um, one of my all time most hated. I'm not sure if you ever played Lost Ninja on yes. uh, C64. I did. Where, yeah, there is one moment um, and that where you have to jump on a boat in order to get over uh, a river. And, and, and as a kid, I was like seven or something, you know, th- this first time in life where I really cried, um, you know, like really, really felt horrible. Like I could really punch that boat because fuck that boat. The jumping was so hard because of the isometric viewpoint. Yeah, that that jump. Yeah, there, there, there's oh. more of that. That the, the controls for Lost Ninja. Now I'm really, but but yeah, I, I could really punch. I could punch that Ninja as well because that's gonna be the. He could take a lot of punch in 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 a fist fight though. So I'm not sure I could punch him, but he dies from like falling like a meter or so, and he can't like even climb down. It's the weakest. Like, like so. <laughs> so what you're saying is you push yeah, him I, down the steps. Yeah, yeah, and and. and, and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. You could push him down the steps. Yeah, yeah, probably that. Oh, I always said, I always said, punch him, not mob them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, oh, but yeah. Well, I, I, well, I think we can take from that is that you dislike quite a lot of things, the characters in video games. We've got Donkey <laughs> yeah. Kong. We've got a boat. We've got, <laughs> we've got a few going on here. We've got a few things going on here. Getting <laughs> added to the list. That's right. But uh, Thomas, that's. That's all the time we have for this interview. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us. You've been, um, you've been a fantastic guest. Uh, it's been very interesting. Uh, I, I learned a lot of new things. Uh, a lot of this stuff is like, we, these are really cool, interesting facts you shared with us. They're definitely unavailable on your Wikipedia page. So, uh, thanks for that. And, uh, we wish you the best of luck with Soma on Xbox One. Anybody who is interested in picking that up. Uh, it is out on the Xbox One, and I believe it's $30, is that correct? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. very correct. $30 US dollars. Uh, it is a fantastic single-player story-driven experience. If you like horror games, go and pick this game up. Seriously, for the love of God, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, good luck with your future work, and we hope to have you on here again sometime soon, Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks for your kind words, and uh, thanks for having me on. It's been a great time. No problem. See you later. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. So thanks so much again to Thomas for that awesome interview. I am so excited to play this game on the Xbox One again. I've already played it on PC, and I I just love it to death. But that's it for this week. But guys, I'm just recording this little extra bit here for a very special announcement that next week we have a very special Christmas episode. In fact, you might even call it a piratey Christmas. That's... That's really lame, but basically we have a Christmas special coming up next week. Uh, we're going to be away over Christmas for two weeks, so this is going to be the last episode of the year, but we have a very, very special episode for you guys planned. We have Rare coming on again, and we've got the executive producer and design director and community lead from Rare Sea of Thieves project, and it's going to be the most amazing Sea of Thieves pirate christmas themed episode ever so make sure you tune in next week and until then xbox turn off you're listening to xbox one party chat podcast 
the official podcast of the Xbox One subreddit. Let's do this.